All right, Mark chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, so Nazareth, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that's been given to him, that even he does miracles? That he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon are his sisters here with us, and they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there, except lay hands on a few sick people and heal him. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. All right. Our, uh, our little passage for the day. Um, so a couple of things. Jesus uh, has a couple of times where he's in his hometown in Nazareth, and the crowds have various responses to him, none of them positive. Um, so again... He's talking. He is thirty years old ish. Um, he has grown up with these people. Nazareth is a very small town, so it might have two hundred people there. Almost all of them are probably in some way, shape, or form related to him. So they could be third cousin related, but like by and large, they're going to be people who know him. Um, you'll remember that in one of the times that he's there uh, in Luke. He's, uh, he kind of starts his ministry in Nazareth. He unrolls the scroll, the prophet Isaiah. He reads this passage that's about the coming Messiah. Um, and he says, hey, guys, this is talking about me. And they try to kill him. <laughs> um, he goes back. This is uh, later on, a couple of months later, it seems. He goes back, and he is now back in Nazareth. Um, and this is, I think, kind of ballsy of Jesus in the sense that he goes back to the synagogue where this group of people tries to kill him, um, and he does some of his normal stuff. It seems like the, uh, the word has spread now. So when he started in, uh, in Nazareth, he unrolls the, pro- the scroll. That's like one of his very first days that he's doing stuff. He comes back. Word has started to spread about some of the stuff that he's doing. Um, and so you can even hear in the, the exclamation that they're saying, they're saying, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Judas, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? But they say, like, he even does miracles. Um, so this is after the fact they've tried to kill him. And now they're like, wait, this guy grew up with us. And not only is he teaching stuff, he's even doing miracles. It's a little bit nutty. Um, and Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Um, so it's one of the things to point out. Um, is that in this particular culture, in the Jewish culture, you also see this in a lot of Eastern cultures, um, you have what's called um, honor-based cultures. Um, and so your, your behavior directly brings either honor or shame um, on your house and in the particular place that you're from. Um, and so you don't see a lot of shame actually talked about in the Bible. You see honor talked about and the lack of it being brought. 
Um, and this is very much about identity. And so for, for Jesus, um, what they're essentially saying is you are bringing shame on all of your family. Um, and Jesus is saying, how is it that like you can be doing all this stuff? Um, and they can see, like, I, I, I can do this, and I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. And your only interpretation of this, because you don't understand it, because it doesn't fit in your world or in your box, that I'm bringing shame on you. Um, in other places, you'll see a little bit later um, in the book of Mark and in some of the other Gospels, he talks about, like, like you're the guys that killed all the prophets. You keep talking about this Messiah but the only reason that you're talking about a Messiah that's going to come is because there are a bunch of prophets who talked about a Messiah that was going to come. And do you know what you did with them? You killed them. And what makes you think that you wouldn't kill the Messiah if you also killed the people who talked about the Messiah? Um, and I think what my we, we talk about this sometimes where like when I'm like discipling people, we talk about this thing called revertigo, uh, which is a made up word. <laughs> And it essentially means that um, oftentimes when you get around people that you have known for a very long time or you have very, very strong relational patterns with, no matter how much change or transformation you've had in your life, you can like snap back to that 16-year-old who is existing in that family dynamic with your brother or with your sister or with your parents or whatever it might be. Um, And it's it's almost like bewildering. Like I remember um, maybe like seven or eight years ago, like we got stuck in this like family situation and I was like suddenly felt like I was acting like the 16 year old. I'm like, I'm not a 16 year old anymore. Why am I acting like this? Um, but there's like this powerful thing that exists within family dynamics that like you become a known commodity, but it's usually like through the lens of being a child. Uh, and even when you grow out of that, like it's so easy to snap back into it. Uh, one of the things that's fascinating here is Jesus refuses to do that. Um, and one of, a, a particular thing that you see as well is that you see this, isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, aren't his sisters here with us? Uh, one of the things that you'll see kind of woven out through Mark is he, he has different um, run-ins with his family is he never actually gets along terribly well with his family. And by that, I mean, like, his family, other than his mom, are never particularly warm to him in this role, Uh, particularly his brothers. Um, They never, and in some ways you can understand, like, he grew grew up with these guys, he's the oldest, and everyone knows um, that he isn't Joseph's son. Like, Like, Joseph, like, they all know that. Like, that's one of the, like, one of the things that Joseph is considering if you think about when he, um, like one of the Christmas narratives where he finds out that Mary is pregnant, um, it is, you're supposed to divorce the woman in the engagement and you have the option to kill the woman. Um, he chose not to. It was very, very rare that a man would actually choose to do that. But one of the reasons that you would divorce the woman and end the engagement is simply because like the shame that would follow you like in bringing a son who isn't your own into your house again, this is an honor-based culture, and so you are you are you're essentially inflicting damage on your house by bringing someone into your house that your wife has born or bore, not born, um, and bringing it into your house. And so Jesus grows up 
like, and you know how brothers and sisters can be. There's like this like really competitiveness like within it, and he was probably like mocked pretty mercilessly for being for having a different father. Now, of course, Mary is probably like, no, really, it was the Holy Spirit. No one believes this. I mean, like, like this is a crazy story that no one believes. Um, like, we can think of all sorts of like funny things that. Uh, I was gonna go somewhere. It didn't really work, so I'm just gonna curtail that before I say okay, something that we okay, record right. and put on the internet <laughs> and be like, "No, that doesn't work." But that was terribly offensive. <laughs> um, so you, you have all of these. I'm not doing a great job, like explaining, like all of these complex layers of like family dynamics. There's just the normal family dynamics of you change, you go back to your family, and you snap back to the person you used to be. But then you've got all of these layers of dynamics where like everyone knows that Jesus is not actually Joseph's son and all the stuff that goes with that. Um, and I have to imagine Jesus is fully human. Like he wants to be liked by his family. Like he, like there is, there is not a smidgen of doubt in my mind. Like who does not want to be loved, accepted, understood by his family. And yet again, this is, you guys, some of you here haven't been here. One of the things we've been talking about in the last couple of days is like, Jesus' understanding of faithfulness and how what it is that he's been doing is really getting a sense of what the Father is doing in every situation. And he's just been doing what it is that he, he's, his sense of what the Father needs him to do, regardless of what it would cost him. In this situation, like I can't imagine that the way that he acts here is actually making him feel like his family like, like him more. And I have to imagine that's what he really wants. He's human. He is fully human. That's this is like the mystery of Jesus. He's fully God and fully human. He wants to be liked by his family. He wants to be understood. And, and again, in this situation, he puts himself in a position where he is not going to be liked anymore. Um, they're already mocking him in some of the things that he said. Maybe not the, the family himself themselves in this particular passage, um, but they this is a they're going to hear about it. Um, verse four. Only in his hometown, among his relatives, in his own house, is a prophet without honor. And then verse 5, he could not do any miracles there. And then, except lay his hands on a few people who were sick and healed, which is sort of funny. That he, they're like, he couldn't do any. I mean, he could do a few. Like, he laid it like, normally you're expecting like Disneyland fireworks from Jesus, but I guess you're just going to get the backwoods North Carolina dock firewood show this time. I say that because every 4th of July we go down to my where my dad is from and they live on this like sound of water. They would do this homemade fireworks show, which was interesting. Um, and so Mark's like, look, you're used to like Disney World exploding at midnight and all you're getting is this backwoods thing. But I guess that's better than nothing. Um, and he was amazed at their lack of faith. I think this is something that's interesting, like where it's talking about Jesus' inability to do miracles, except for a few people. And as best we can tell, like the, the thing that's happening here is you, if, if you are sick, you actually have to be open. Like, do you want to be healed? Do you believe that this person can heal you? Are you willing to put yourself in a posture and a position to ask? Um, Jesus more than likely is not going to force himself on you. And so if you, if you look at the attitudes above, and he's like, don't we know this dude? Like, we grew up with him. We don't believe him. 
people are saying he's doing miracles. Like you have to, you have to be pretty open to go up to someone and be like, Hey, will you pray for me so that I can be healed? Um, I don't think that like it's Jesus has less power here so much as like a conduit, a, a piece of Jesus's power and in, in the Holy Spirit flowing through him has to do with people's openness to receiving that power. And in many ways, like we find ourselves in the same position. Are we talking about that this weekend? Is like there are things within us that are closed off to the power of Jesus. And so there might be things, like we might look at our life and be like, well, why isn't this happening? Why isn't this happening? And why isn't this happening? A better question might be, what inside of me is closed off so that those things wouldn't happen? Because each of us have like massive resistance in us to the work of the Spirit. And so if we want to know why things aren't happening, I'm not saying it's the only answer, but at least a starting question might be, are there things inside of me that are closed to the Spirit? Are there patterns of sin? Is there patterns of thinking? Are there like, do I not ask? Like yesterday with a group of you in here, we talked about prayer. Like one of the things that we looked at was like, hey, you should pray. You should actually ask. And if it doesn't happen, what should you do? Keep asking. Most of us live in these patterns where we ask once, didn't happen, we stop praying. And yet what it is that we see Jesus talk about is if it doesn't happen, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. Keep going. Don't give up. Um, and so like the closeness to us might have more to do with it didn't happen once. And like, I got frustrated and I gave up. Uh, and so that could be the resistance that's mounting in us. So I think one of the things that we have to see is it's not that Jesus doesn't have power. It's that we actually, we, we exist in a relationship with Jesus. There are actual relational dynamics between us and him. And so he is not going to come in and just like smack you with his healing hand. <laughs> Did you like that? I love that. Thank you, Erin. Um, Toy, I appreciate that laugh as well. The rest of you, that hurt. He like he we actually exist in a relationship with him. Uh, it is not like he is not some distant other thing. And he's just going to absolutely cram what it is that he wants down on you. It's like, do you want to be healed? What's a question that Jesus regularly asks people who are sick? What do you want? And so he, he's, here we see in these relationships with people that he has known his entire life, they don't want it. Or at least they don't want it from him. And so you might be in a situation where you want it. And there's something very particularly that you want. It's just that you don't want it from Jesus. Like you want it another way. And that may actually be the thing that's blocking that thing from happening. It, may, it could be something else. I'm not saying it's the only thing. But I think that's a good place to start thinking about. And then we see uh, Jesus sending out the 12. We see this happening in three out of the four gospel passages where Jesus sends out um, the 12, two by two. Then he sends out the 72, two by two. And, um, yeah, he gives them the spirit. He's like, everything that I can do, you can do. In fact, in John 14, he says, you're going to do even more, greater, better things than I've been doing. Um, And verse 12, they went out. They preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. In another gospel passage, um, they exclaim almost like out of disbelief, can you believe this stuff works? (laughs) Um, yeah, and I think that that's just one of the things that you see happening over and over again is that it starts with Jesus. 
then it goes to the 12, then it goes to the 72, then it goes to 120, and then it explodes across the church, and then the known world, and then the unknown world, and then we find ourselves here today. Uh, Because the Spirit is actually moving and working. And the things that Jesus could do, and the Spirit that rested on Jesus, you have access to. So it's not just Jesus doing it. You get to do it too. That's the way, that's literally the way things have been set up since creation. That God had the ability to like keep all of the power to himself. But God's nature is that he wants to share power. He said, like, I want you to rule with me. And so I'm going to, I'm going to give you the power as well. So one of the things that we can ask is one, do we ever exercise that power? Do we ever attempt to? Do we put ourselves in places where we, like, if we do something and the Holy Spirit doesn't show up, we're done. Like, it just won't work. Um, and secondly, we have to, I think, think about maybe our relationship to power. In the same way that God regularly, like, disperses power, are we people who try to hoard power, or are we trying to, like, empower others as well and to give them freedom um, to, quote-unquote, rule on behalf of the Lord? So just a couple things to think about this morning. We're going to hit 